Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh. One year ago this week, Pittsburgh's Chinatown finally got a historic marker. It took 12 years in four applications for the state to officially recognize our city's historic Chinatown. That's a couple of blocks on 2nd and 3rd Avenues downtown that were once a bustling area for Chinese-owned businesses and restaurants. To celebrate this well-deserved anniversary, we're revisiting my conversation with Marian Lien, She's the president of the Pittsburgh OCA to learn more about the history of our very own Chinatown. It's Monday, April 10th. I'm Francesca DeBecco, and here's what Pittsburgh's talking about. Marian Lien. Um, my given name is uh, Lien Mei Ling, and that is uh, of a Chinese uh, background. Uh, I am uh, Taiwanese by birth, um, and I came to the United States when I was, uh, you know, barely in elementary school. So, so I have um, lots of um, a child's memory of of uh, Taiwan Island, but grew up in in Southern California, and uh, made it out here to Pittsburgh about ten eleven years ago now. I think that Pittsburgh has like officially adopted you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. I, that's yeah. an honor. That 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 really is because I know that in this town of historical roots um, to, to be able to say that I'm adopted, that, that I can wear that marker as a Pittsburgher. That means a lot. So thank you. Just add that to your list of titles. All right. Yes, yes. <laughs> so what does it mean to you, you know, to finally see this work pay off yeah. and to know that the legacy of early Asian Americans in Pittsburgh will live on? Oh, it's it's uh, so many things. It's a relief um, that that which should have happened is finally happening. Yeah. Um, you know, my regret is that those board members that came before me that started this journey 12 years ago are not alive today, you know, to Aww. aren't here. Yeah. Um, so there's bittersweet, um, you know, feelings about that. That yes, we've accomplished. Um, that we feel victorious um, in beating back, you know, the the system that would still have us invisible. So mm. this the legacy of the our ancestors, right, um, is is at once also fulfilled because we've we've always been here. It's it's right. a matter of being recognized and and um, choosing to see us. Why did this take so long to succeed to get the state designation? <laughs> because like you said, you've been working on this for years. Can I tell you, Francesca, you know, yeah. the first three times <laughs> that we were denied with this application, 
a comment that came to us was, you know, we, we realize you really want this marker. What gave it away? <laughs> and so, you know, unless you can prove to us that you matter, you know, statewide <laughs> as a significance, mm. you know, you might just go ahead and call, a, you know, a plaque maker and make your own plaque. The only thing that's that... not the point, is <laughs> well, it? That's it just, not the point. That's exactly right. And more so, you know, the one thing that, you know, we would say is we had to raise the money for this plaque regardless. So if you did that, they said to us, the the one thing you cannot have is the state insignia, right? And I thought, wow, that hmm. that, you know, that was the slap on the face that really got me going with, uh-huh, I see. So it's that you choose not to. You, you know, you're selective about who can be in this space and you call your own. So I would have to prove mm. to you I belong. And so that's what this fourth application was about. <laughs> wow. And you know what? Chinatown is still sort of like folkloric. Um, and there's a reason for that. Um, it was sort of this micro city within the city that supported many Chinese immigrants in the late right. 1800s. Right. Um, and it was devastated by the construction of the Boulevard of the Allies in the 1920s. Looking back, can can we say that this was an act of redlining? Mm, absolutely. In the name of urban renewal, mm. which which group shall we sacrifice? Right. Yeah, um, you know, right. we saw it in the Hill District. We saw um, what happened there and and the devastation that caused. Why I think this is not written into the annals of of Pittsburgh history. Um, as prominently is undoubtedly because what happens um, with championing a community is you have to have active live voices. You have to have individuals of a community that not only care, but, but really can relate. Right. Um, And and in this particular case, the history of the Chinese in um, the United States is a, um, it's a sad beginning, right? Um, After being brought over to work on the railroads, the uh, country started to experience a recession. And the first group, even though it was less than like 0.5% of all the immigrants Uh that were coming in, um, they were the Chinese uh, laborers were pointed out to be competition, right, to to white mm. labor. And so, you know, you have the systemic waves now um, that are, are rolling into place from your Chinese Exclusion Act. And, and the Chinese are, remain the only group, you know, that, that was uh, legalized out of the United States existence, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So with the Boulevard of the Allies, you know, coming in, literally stabbing at the heart of of. Uh, Chinatown um, with Ross Street ramp coming off, you know, coupled with misogynistic laws, you know, the Chinese um, population never gets replenished. That second generation doesn't come into into being. It's not to say that there were no women. There were those who came from other cities, right? Chinese women that that were able to make it into into the neighborhood. Do you like to dance? Look at beautiful art. 
Eat Gourmet Snacks People Watch will mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm, because this is a theme party you want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend, and rest assured, every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. Yeah, and so the construction of the Boulevard of the Allies really forced people to move outside of Pittsburgh, yeah, but it really destroyed them. this. Yeah, yeah, really scattered throughout the city, and I think also it really ruined this sort of epicenter, this this culture, this this meeting place, um, a place where they could go shopping or you know speak their own language and and all of these things that are really important to maintain a community. Um, so as we know, the last remaining business from the original Chinatown is the Chinatown Inn, which mm-hmm. is owned by the Yi family. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that building on Third Avenue with the red and green pagoda style entrance. And uh, Marianne, I, I want to mention as I was uh, reading about this uh, last year and a little bit more uh, this year, one fun fact that I found that I can't believe I didn't know this as a Pittsburgher was is that the restaurant is owned by the family of Ming-Na Wen. That the is actress, correct. <laughs> yes, the actress who voices my favorite Disney princess, Mulan. That's right. Um, so I love that Pittsburgh tie, especially because that was always um, that was always my favorite movie growing up. Well, and she's a superhero now on television. So, you yes, know, it doesn't yes. get any better for us, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. So I want you to take us back. What was it like for Chinese immigrants living in Pittsburgh during this time? The Chinese at this time, um, you must remember, they live in a city that's actually a segregated city, right? So the history of Pittsburgh, it was was segregated. Um, And so as Chinese, you know, as an Asian population, we were sort of not black and not white. So what Mm -hmm. were we? For those who were able to find a home in Chinatown, and, you, you know, we want to talk about that Chinatown really was the older part of the city in a part of the city that um, was kind of run down, no one wanted, but it was because they couldn't find rental properties anywhere else. The laws at that time declared they would never be able to become um, American citizens, right? So they would never be more than just Chinese American residents. And right. so so to find work, they had to f- make work, right? Yeah. And so in these sort of spaces, you start to understand, you know, how devastating it might be to just tear down even one, let alone a whole block wow. of buildings. But, you know, it it was one of the places where other people of color could actually go and That's be right. served. Right. You know, they saw it as if you're a paying customer, why should I sit there and judge what sorts of backgrounds, you know, that yeah. might be preconceived. But more than that, it's important to understand how many also were living in fear of being discovered right. there, right? So while the census at the time 
stated 500. We believe it was probably closer to over a thousand. And mm, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So yeah, that's yeah. A right? significant difference, right? Yeah. So it's at once um, you know, you start to understand how big families, you know, those who who were lucky enough to create that kind of natural family, you know, mm-hmm. how many were around. Um, and then also, you know, if you don't have the documents, right, that are necessary to exist in in the world. It's a very scary space. And Chinatown afforded that kind of comfort to those who may not speak the language English, you know, well, let alone navigate, you know, um, the rules and regulations. Um, And it was doing so well. At one point, it is attracting the Chinese from and, you know, other Asian folks, right? from right. West Virginia, from Ohio, right? right? You know, and so so this is the kind of international flavor that that this Chinatown had brought. Right. We, and that speaks yeah. to, you know, how this is so historically relevant yeah. and there were sort of these unofficial mayors mm. um and yeah. these uh com- community like um societies who helped people sort of navigate yeah. uh the rest of Pittsburgh. So um they would help, you know, people deal with their taxes or, you know, maybe go to a doctor's appointment if they didn't speak English. Um, what can you tell us about these unofficial mayors um, that existed in these communities? Oh, my gosh. I, you know, I would say they, you know, we called them mayors, um, but really they were like the diplomats, right, of, of right. the time, right? You know, um, so Chinese, Chinatown, like the rest of the Chinatowns across the world at the time, it really functioned as a in a parallel universe, right? Um, mm. The Chinese that lived there, worked there, weren't welcomed in any other parts of the city. And so they had no choice but to carve out another existence, um, one that they could feel safe in. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And and the other, quite honestly, is they needed the economic opportunities. They need jobs. And so, you know, in that space of the two blocks, at one point was 120 hand laundries, you know, wow. 16, yeah, 16 groceries and little gift stores. Yeah. Yeah. Just imagine all of the activity at that time. So, Marianne, what do you think is important for people to know about Pittsburgh's Asian community today? Yeah. So I want, you know, us to understand that the, you know, oftentimes we think when we see someone of East Asian, you know, extraction, we automatically jump to, they must be Chinese. We know better now, don't we? That, you know, it's a pan-Asian experience and, you know, no less than 30 countries are represented here in, in Pittsburgh. It's, you know, I'm so blessed to be working with a community that uh, has so much richness to share. Um, and, and I hope that the city, you know, um, appreciates, you know, all of that. If, if only they, you just have to ask, if you only choose to see it, it's here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Marianne Leanne, president of the Pittsburgh branch of the OCA. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was a great pleasure. So that was a year ago, and the actual celebration unveiling the historic landmark was rainy, but so much fun. 
If you want to see the marker up close, you can find it at the Chinatown Inn downtown. While you're there, get some General Tso's tofu. I highly recommend it. And you can always celebrate our city's Asian heritage by stopping by a ton of local businesses and restaurants or getting involved with Marianne and the OCA to better support and advocate for our AAPI neighbors. A little news before you go. Speaking of anniversaries, we've got updates from two Pittsburgh institutions both celebrating their 125th birthdays this year. At the Pittsburgh Zoo, officials sifted through 700 different entries in their baby naming contest to find one to fit their new baby gorilla. They landed on something pretty simple, Charlotte. The contest helped raise nearly $5,000 for animal care. There's a cute video that we'll link in the show notes. And over at Kennywood, the Raging Rapids is coming out of retirement. It's the one with the giant orange tire raft that goes through rough waters and waterfalls. And it had those water guns that grandma could spray you with at the end. So maybe not the most thrilling ride, but definitely a hit of nostalgia for a bunch of us. But don't be like teenage Francesca and wear jean shorts and have to walk around the rest of the day soaking wet. Why did I always wear jean shorts? Kennywood hasn't announced when the ride will open yet, but the season starts April 22nd. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, please, and subscribe to our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. I write that and I can land in your inbox every day at 6 a.m. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you then. That's all for today. Uh, why? Why do I stumble?